Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. More like Hank and Tessa. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> I was given one thing that I needed to do on this podcast, and it was to say that line correctly. What did I say about scripted content? I am not good at it. It's a comedy podcast Great. about death, where two brothers, or sometimes one brother and one friend, answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. That's a sports thing. In case they're new to the podcast. How you doing, Tessa? I'm doing so good. Really enjoying Missoula, Montana. Yeah. It is so beautiful here. It's out of control. I completely understand why people want to live here in the month of July. Right. <laughs> this is this is one of the better of the months. Yeah. Um I it's it's not on fire yet. Mhm. Um and it's also not made of ice. Yeah. It's which Unlike is some of us. <laughs> our, ma- our two main seasons are fire and ice here. Fire and ice. Yeah. Next single. Well, I think that's the uh, what the the George R. R. Martin books in total are called: "A Song of Fire and Ice," which is maybe it's An just author. about maybe it's about Missoula. Oh, oh, do you not know about? No idea what that is. It's the Game of Thrones books. Oh. Have heard of that? Yeah, I like the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cultured. Um, and uh, so you have been working for like a year on an album, maybe more than a year now. Yeah. Bad ideas. Bad ideas. I know where they lead, but I have too many to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the chorus that's of the, that song. Yeah, that's the, that's the a lyric. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been working on this album, Bad Ideas. What's the easiest chart to chart on because i charted on the billboard comedy charts i feel like that's probably one of the easier ones i'm gonna say yes um i don't know but i know that i don't qualify for any of them because i'm like indie pop and that's a fairly popular genre oh so you're just not gonna get anywhere near the top of that thing i mean maybe what's the what's on the top of the vote of confidence what's what's on the top of indie pop right now i I let me think let me try see if i can think of an indie pop song I don't even know if that's a genre. Okay, so apparently indie pop is called alternative. Oh, because um, it's 1992. Um, so Say Amen by Panic at the Disco is number two. I'm looking at an advertisement for BTS. That was a lot, a lot of advertisements. Um, 
I don't. I haven't heard of any of these songs. Imagine Dragons, Bastille, Sir Sly. So these are enormous. Yes. Bands, which maybe I'm going to be by the time this comes Does out. Does so Beck have an what? album out? Yeah, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Oh, cool. I met Beck's mom one time. How was that? She was lovely. I think that's relevant to our questions today. We do have a question about meeting famous people's moms, yeah. weirdly enough. I was, uh, it was backstage at uh, a show that John and I did, and a, a friend of ours brought Beck's mom along. And she's like sort of famous in her own right. She was like a yeah. famous like person in sort of the air the, the Andy Warhol era. Yeah. Um so it was cool to hang out with Beck's mom and Neil Gaiman was also backstage at that show. <gasps> was Amanda Palmer there? No. Cool. <laughs> so Tessa's like, I don't care anymore. No, I mean But I was you know. so starstruck by Neil Gaiman that I basically was incapable of doing anything. That's funny. That was me like the first several times I met you. Really? Yeah. Oh absolutely. It's funny. It's Weird. funny you didn't sense that. No. Um, I'm usually... Yes, I'm, I'm bad at that. Hmm. <clears throat> Interesting. Because you talk about it a bit in your book, and I wouldn't get that sense from you. What do you mean? Well, you talk a bit about how um, there's a line where someone approaches her on the streets of New York. About the idea of fame, it's strange. Suddenly you don't know if someone's talking to you because they recognize your work or because they just think you look oh, familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how someone on the streets of New York started by telling a personal story of her life. And you were like, as the character, the protagonist, uh, April May, is like, for the record, not a great way to start it because it was confusing to me. <laughs> no, I, are we, do we know each other? Well, this, this that was different, though, because I knew who you were. Like, we were colleagues. Yeah. And, yeah, so when, when I meet people who I'm big fans of but mm-hmm. who already know who I am... I feel like I'm having a starstruck moment, but usually they don't notice. Yeah. Because we have things to talk about. I guess. Usually it's like, what are you doing at VidCon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tessa, do you want to answer some questions from our listeners? I would love to. Not that I don't want to talk more. I just... We'll, we'll find some chances to talk more. Great, cool. <laughs> this question comes from Tasha. It's the first question. It says, Dear Hank and Tessa, the heat index in Kentucky was recently 105 degrees. Unlike in cold weather, where I can bundle up, I can only take off so many layers of clothes without going to jail. What are some of the ways that you beat the horrible heat and humidity? Oh my god, I'm burning. Tasha. Mm. I just accept that I'm going to be miserable, and when I stop trying to fight it, I feel a lot more okay. You know, this is true for me with food. Mm-hmm. I ha- Sometimes I, I can't eat for a little while because of my intestinal issues, mm-hmm. um, and I find it much easier to be hungry when I know that I can't have food than when, I, than when I'm just, like, sort of being prevented by time and space from acquiring food. Mm-hmm. So that is a good a good tip. I don't think that it it's going to work 100% of the time. I think yeah. that it, once you climb up into the 130s, you might be like, well, I'm going to die now. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, it is good to sort of like find moments of acceptance. But I also will give it this tip. If you can, submerge your feet in water. My mom does that. It helps so much. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. I've actually never done it. It's, I do it all the time. When it's super hot in Missoula, I just like spray my feet off with a hose cool byron doesn't have ac so i'll probably use that tip this week oh yeah you're sleeping in no ac land and he lives upstairs yes it was fine today so far 
I made a whole video uh-huh. about what to do when it's too hot because I also used to live in no air conditioning land. Yeah. Um, because in Montana, it gets 100, 100 degrees like three times a year, but nobody has air conditioning. Mm-hmm. But I do now, thank thank goodness. But uh, I I have a whole song. It's called It's Too Hot, and it has a number of tips in it about Ooh. spraying yourself with water and uh, putting ice cubes in your pants and yeah. making out with box fans. And I was in a viral video on Rhett and Link's channel, Beat the Heat. Oh, Yeah. So some tips in that. <laughs> yeah, check out Beat the Heat or It's Too Hot. We've got viral videos Beat the heat all for from you. 2011. Yeah. 13? I don't know what year that was. What were the tips in Beat the Heat? It was a goofy thing, so I don't want to spoil it. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Um, I will say, too, I am very rarely too hot. So mm. I, cold makes me miserable. So I am not... too hot all the time. Mm. And I'm very rarely too cold. Mm. I love being chilly. And I call it chilly down to like 22 degrees. Yeah. No, I hate being cold. It gets cold when it gets into the teens for me. Tessa, hit me with another question. Uh, Shelly writes to us. Hello, Shelly. Or Sheely, possibly. Dear Tessa and Hank. I've been a barista for two years and thus have heard many a strange request from customers. However, the other day a woman asked if our iced coffee is organic, to which I replied, yes, seeing as all our coffees in the store is organic. She then asked if there's ice in it, to which I replied with yes, because iced coffee is, after all, iced. She then proceeded to inform me that by adding ice to the iced coffee would make it not organic. I'm still so confused by this. Is ice not organic? Probably not smelly, Shelly. Well, Whoa! Now, now we know that it's pronounced Shelly. That was great. It all worked or out. Or probably not Smealy. <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> um, 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 what's happening here? First of all, we got to recognize that in chemistry, mm-hmm. ice is not an organic compound. Whoa. Water isn't organic. It's not an organic compound because it doesn't have, it's not a carbon compound. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about organic Mm -hmm. coffee. We're talking about the part that was grown. Was it grown certified organic, which means uh, like no pesticides, herbicides, or or inorganic fertilizers, I think. Mm -hmm. And a number, like, you know, it's a certification thing. I don't know how it works exactly. Was she making a prank video? Was she making a prank video? It sounds like she's making a prank video. Did did she look like? Can, I couldn't think of a YouTube prank. Was she Jake person. Paul? Was she? J- <laughs> Does he do pranks? I don't even know. I feel like he must. Yeah. For the other thing you gotta say is that like if the ice makes it not organic, then definitely the water does in the coffee because it comes from the same place. Mm. Can I just say this person is absurd? And yeah. This is absurd. Shelly slash Sheely, you're not crazy. No, unless unless it's a prank video. In which case, you should search search YouTube video for organic ice prank mm. and see. Because that's a real that's a real winner. Yeah. I think that it's getting tens tens of views. Yeah, I clicked on that. Sarah asks, "Dear Hank and Tessa, my can opener is in the dishwasher, and I need to open a can. How do I open it? My spaghetti noodles are getting cold, and I need tomatoes to make tomato sauce. The storms are brewing in my eyes. Sarah. I don't know what that's a reference to. I think it means she's crying. Oh. It's a Jefferson Starship song about about Sarah. What? Yeah. Wow. What? Man, that was a deep cut. I liked that, Sarah. <laughs> um, Sarah, you can open your dishwasher. 
and take the can opener out. That's sort of what you got to do because your other your other options are all like just hit it with a rock or go get a new can opener. Yeah. Or do you have a katana? Yes. Um, Ooh, actually, mm-hmm. they don't call it a cantana for nothing. Right. That's that's the brand of katana can openers. Yes. Actually, this is a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not terrible. Yeah. Could we create a better can opener that's very fast because it's a katana? Yes. The cantana. Yes, the cantana. It's a little messy. That's all I've got. There are there are um, can openers, various kinds of can openers, um, but I, I think that you only have one, and it's in your dishwasher, and you know where it is. It seems like a fairly easy... What happens Make when you happen, open the, dish, the dishwasher during the dishwasher cycle? The water immediately stops going. So just like open it just a teeny bit, and it just stops, and okay. you can open it all the way. And there's not like the knives are not going to fly out and no. hurt you. You're going to be just fine, Sarah. Okay. But put those storms away. Get those leeches out. That's a reference to a Vlogbrothers video. There you go. All right, I got one. Okay. Rachel, or Rochelle, asks, Dear Tessa and Hank, I seem to be trapped in a moral dilemma. I work as a sales associate in a mall toy store, and at least once a shift, I'm asked to lie to a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's a, yeah, that seems like it would obviously happen. Cool. Parents will often bring toys to the register only to hand them to me, saying something along the lines of, this isn't for sale, right? Oh, no. These types of comments generally come with longing looks from both parents This and isn't child. for sale? This isn't for sale? It's a toy store! Hi. Not only are you lying to the child, you are, you are confusing them about what stores are. Yeah. It's like, it's not like the shelves. Yeah. This, uh, this, this isn't for sale, right? This is an awkward spot to be in. Everything in the store is obviously for sale. It's a store for goodness sakes. She agrees with you. But I'm clearly being asked to lie to a child in order to save the parents from buying yet another toy. Mm-hmm. What should I do about this? Do I play along with the parent and send the child away disappointed, but the parent triumphant? Or do I play dumb and hope that they buy the toy in the end? I do have sales goals after all. Oh, you have sales quotas? Mm-hmm. Feeling in moral peril for lying to children, Rachel. Well, if you have sales goals, you gotta you gotta sell. Yeah. I was good, until I heard that there were sales goals, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. Tom, have you ever been in a situation where there was a sales goal? Um. We didn't have those at Walmart. I worked at a uh, clothing retail store, and we didn't. It was definitely good news for us and the employees if we could make more last month every month, but right. we weren't like. We didn't get a bonus and we weren't punished if we didn't. Right. Okay. So. Okay. Well, assuming that it's not like you're going to be in a problem spot or you're not getting like weird toy commissions, mm-hmm. which I think is seems immoral. Yeah. I feel, could you, is there a way to tell this story in a way that's fun for everyone? Or or, or to say like the, the child leaves the store thinking, I'm going to get that toy later. And if they really do want it. Then they'll come back and get it. This is a trick that I use mm. where I like to leave a store or a shopping experience between wanting a thing and buying a thing. Me too. I do that too. And everyone's like, why don't you just get it if you want it? I'm like, because I want to know if I still want it yeah. a day from now yeah. or if I just want the thrill of something new. Yeah. 
So do that to the child and be like, oh no, this is a pre-release item. It's only on the shelves. It's an advanced player's copy. Mm. It's an advanced toy copy. Clever, clever. And then, and then say, but like, it will eventually be on sale. But right now you're getting a sneak preview. Yes. You are the first person, child, to ever play with this toy. And yeah. we're doing research, but in, a, in another month it will be out to the public. Yeah. Or, or a funny one might be like, oh man, Ah, kid, I wish you could have this, but I actually already got it. It's mine. I bought it. Yeah. I own about a third of the stuff in the store. Yeah. Um, But it's just mine. I've bought it already. Yeah. I get paid a lot as a toy salesperson. Yeah. Mostly in toys. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, if I were you in your position realistically, I'd probably just go with it. Yeah. Because it's just... The parent is in charge. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. That's a, a bit of a surprise, but now that you've said it, it makes perfect sense to me. And I'm sure that in the course of the next eight years or so, I will I will probably use this trick on my own son. Yeah. So thanks for that as well. Yes. I will be... I will, but why are they in the toy store if they're not there to get it? I guess to get a cheaper toy. Yeah, I don't know. That is... Don't take a child in a toy store if you're not, if you're not yeah. going to buy them a toy. That's tough. Mm-hmm. I went in a lot of toy stores as a kid without getting a toy. Yeah? Yeah. But I, I understood we were poor, so I was right. like, cool, some time to play with stuff. Right. We're going to go play with Things with, the, with all the very buy. good toys. Yeah. <laughs> I just live here now. Yeah. <laughs> this next question comes from Michaela, who asks, Dear Hank and Tessa, I recently started a new job, which I'm very excited about. After my interview, I discovered that one of the people who interviewed me is the mother of a member of a very popular and well-known band, which I will not name. My husband and I have been huge fans of this band for several years. I'm now working closely with this lovely woman who has family photos of her famous child all over her desk space, but who has never mentioned the relationship. I mean, it'd be a little weird to be like, oh, uh, this like, have I mentioned all of my children to you? I don't know. Yeah. Does she mean never mention the relationship as in like, uh, hey, I have a son or. And he plays he plays the the trombone in Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Uh, Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. When she talks about her kids, the so famous... So she does talk, oh, she about, does talk the about the relationship, just the not famous that he's famous. The famous child is, quote, the one who plays drums. Sorry, he doesn't play trombone in Imagine Dragons. How do I bring up the fact that I know exactly who her kid is and am a huge fan? I don't want to make it weird, and I want to make a good impression on my new co-workers. Should I buy a coffee mug with the band's logo and drink from it? In front of her every day until she notices Ooh. Starstruck in Ohio, Michaela. No, that'd be weird. Don't do that. That'd be weird. That sounds like the kind of thing that John and I would suggest as a joke. Yes. I do not do that. Definitely. Just get, just get, like, I love the trombone and Imagine Dragons tattooed on your bicep. Get his face tattooed on your face. <laughs> face tattoo of her son's face on your face. It's subtle. <laughs> And it gets just, your point across. I just like like walking up to her with the mug and yeah. I'm having some tea. Would you like some tea? Enjoy. Wink. Um, I have I have a very real opinion on this. Oh, um, is that okay? Oh god. <laughs> okay, so I'll just all I can say is I can speak from my own experience. Oh, you have this experience. I had a coworker who had a son that was in a boy band, but they were not successful. Ah, uh, yeah. They had a poster 
of like a what it, what happened was I walked into his office and he had several posters of like a bunch of young attractive men in various states of hotness and I was like huh. okay this 55 year old man really likes feels like weird office young, decor young men uh, yeah. but then it turned out that it was his son and ah. and that was nice that it was explained to me yes mm-hmm. I like that yeah um well I guess I mean I've been in the context of ha- hmm. Sometimes I get a sense that someone is a fan of me but doesn't want to say it because they don't want to make it weird. Yeah. But I guess it's not weird to me that someone would be a fan. I think that's nice. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that weirdness right. becomes the weird part of it because I sense true. that something's yeah. up but there's no explanation for it. And so you I don't, start feeling like, And you like, don't want to be like, are you a fan? Because then that sounds really weird. Yes. You, like, I've done that before yeah. where somebody where I incorrectly assumed that someone was a fan. <laughs> They're like, what? And then, and that's, and I'm like, oh, have you, do you, does it's like SciShow or Vlogbrothers or what? And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. No. So I know that I like to, um, if, if someone is a fan, to just kind of get out there real quick. Yeah. And then it can just be a right. fact about them, not yes. their whole identity. Right. And also when I interact with people who I'm a fan of, same thing. I just like to say it right away because I know that I have an energy of I'm nervous otherwise Mm -hmm. so I mean with her I would say if it comes up naturally like she mentions that her um you know son is playing you you could like throw out naturally like that's cool I actually love that band oh yeah imagine dragons I love them I my husband and I have been listening to them for years yeah but not like take me to your house and feed me barbecue with your famous son exactly just very casual just like because like, it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be weird well and it also like if this band is as popular and well known as you indicate which uh, our guess is that it is because I think we figured it out yeah. just privately between us yeah that this woman knows yeah. that there are lots of people who are fans of Absolutely. her son's band and I can speak from my mom's perspective my mom thinks it's really sh- sweet when people are like are oh. you Tessa Violet's mom I love her mom's like oh me too <laughs> you know <laughs> probably in a little different way yeah than you but um, and that gives her some, I guess, like, it's true that maybe if she knows that you are a fan, maybe there's some things that she wouldn't say about you, about her son to you. And maybe that's for the best. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah. That it's all, it's a, maybe a little bit dishonest to not say yeah, in some so. way. But it doesn't have to be a big thing. Treat it as a very casual thing. Cause it is, it's totally normal to be fans of music. That's. Yes. Fun. Which reminds me. Yes. That one of our sponsors for today's episode, we should just do our sponsors now, is is the trombone player from Imagine Dragons. Hi. The trombone player from Imagine Dragons. Very under-celebrated, but also very, he's got a really great mom. Lots of pictures of him on, on her desk somewhere. Sometimes they do the songs under the advertisements. So. Imagine Dragons does? No, just like podcasts. So I was playing the trombone oh, for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do one? Yeah. This podcast is... Will you do some um, beatboxing for me? Okay. Quiet beatboxing. Thank you. This podcast is also brought to you by lying children. Lying to children. Children are liars. You should lie to them too. And also this podcast is brought to you by the Cantana. The Cantana. It's a Cantana for cans. You can open those cans like lickety split and get a little bit of tomatoes all over your kitchen. This podcast is brought to you by organic ice. For when normal ice isn't bougie enough. Wow, we did that good. <laughs> I mean, the the beatboxing 
is my favorite addition that we've ever made to the podcast, and there's no way John's going to let me do it. it. Okay, well, for the record, I disagree with John. That was awesome, and you're actually good at that. You should do that every time. I'm just going <laughs> to take that clip of you reviewing my beatbox and play it over and over again to Catherine, Great. who is not a big fan of me beatboxing. Cool. You can also hear Catherine arriving in the garage right now if you listen closely. Uh-huh. <laughs> This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Trobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. Um, anonymous writes, Ooh. Dear Tessa and Hank. Mm -hmm. I'm currently on a university summer language program in Spain. I'm trying to learn Spanish, and part of my program requires me to stay in the homestay with a Spanish family. I just arrived today, and my host mom is a lovely Spanish grandma, but I have a huge problem. Firstly, I'm really awkward with old people. I don't know what to say to them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, this is legitimate because you don't have a lot in common. Yes. Like, what what are you—you're not going to talk about the— Trombonus from Imagine Dragons. Absolutely not. Or the Cantana. Oh, oh maybe that would she should get her a Cantana as a welcome gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being like, I'm, I feel a little dumb about and then, this. We're, but we're also gonna relate. just like let's let's summarize the rest, which is also that like anonymous is not particularly good at Spanish. Yeah, and uh, so you got to deal with that that barrier as well. So double weird, and now you live in this person's house, and you don't want to go outside because you don't want to feel weird. Oh no, she says, how do I avoid potential awkward situations where we sit in silence over meals because we just can't communicate? Yeah, I, know. I think that's hard. that's part of the the whole problem of the language barrier, but also part of why you're there. Why, why you're doing a homestay is so that you can find little things to talk about. And and in those moments when you maybe are holed up in your, in your room, be like, okay, what am I going to say to my excellent Spanish grandma? Am I going to say, like, these meatballs are very good? How do I say that? Mm. How do I say, how was your day? And then how do I say, say that in a different way because I didn't understand any of that? Yeah. And then how do you, how do, what else, what else are you going to say? 
Yeah. Like, like give, try and like rehearse like a report from home. Be like, I talked to my mom. We discussed what's going on in America right now with the whole like ending of democracy and stuff. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I was trying to figure out what you would talk about with your American mom. I know. No, that was good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like, well, one, it's, uh, it's hard to learn a foreign language. You know, that's an uncomfortable thing to learn because it's hard not to be good at things. Yeah. And you've probably, sounds like you haven't had a lot of relationships with older people. So, of mm-hmm. course, that's a new skill you're learning, too. And maybe just have a little grace for yourself that it's like, right. it's uncomfortable and that's okay. Right. Like, well, it's funny to think of that as a skill, but it totally is. Like, ha- like knowing how to communicate with people who are generation- generationally different from you. Yeah. And then the other thing I will say is the moment you start learning a new skill, you instantly become the, at that moment, you are the worst person in the world at that. Like you go from being the person, like like most people who has never juggled mm-hmm. to being the worst juggler. Yes. So you go from being absolutely average, just another person who doesn't juggle, to the worst juggler on earth. Yes. And that transition is unpleasant. Now, what I will say is you very quickly go from being the worst juggler on earth to like quite quite a ways up the ranks. Yeah. Just Um, by sticking with it. Yeah. In in a matter of an hour. Yeah. And uh, and that is also true of Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing great. Don't be so hard on yourself. Just treat it as an opportunity for you to learn something new on both fronts. Yeah. And also, but also like make that awkward step and do it and have awkward grandma hangouts. That's good advice. I want a high five for that. Boom. Nailed it. This next question comes from Beckett, who asks, Dear Hank and Tessa, I found a Dodie video where she gets a cello fixed and then decides she wants to learn to play it. After just one day of having the cello, she was able to put together a video where she covers Summer Loving from Greece. I understand that she has a musical background, but as a person who has been singing and playing instruments for about 12 years, I can't imagine learning an instrument that fast. It's starting to make me feel very inferior. It's like we're answering the same question again a little bit. As a person who likes to learn new things and does music, why is it so easy for some people to learn things? Why can't I learn things that quickly also i agree with john mustard is the best thing to put on a ham sandwich and mayonnaise doesn't belong on any food memento mori becca well i don't know why i read that last sentence mayonnaise doesn't belong on any food you like mayonnaise i love mayonnaise in fact right now i like went reading that i was like man i want a mayonnaise sandwich right now a mayonnaise sandwich that is just bread and mayonnaise first of all that's not what i meant but it's not like i've never done that Oh wow, that is it's like deeply a, disturbing. Like a to good, me. like good white bread with just mayonnaise on it is Every, absolutely no. a, like a uh, good, he, good thing to eat. That I'm not saying good for you, but a thing that I enjoy makes eating. Makes me feel nauseated thinking about that. Interesting. Gross. A lot of people say that about mayonnaise. I I don't get it. I think it's such a good. It's like, it's it's like not liking butter to me. Oh no, butter rocks. I know. That's how I feel when you say you don't like mayonnaise. I'm like, how could you not like butter? That's crazy. Um, I do like just a wee bit of mayonnaise in my tuna salad. Well, there's, it's literally what tuna salad is. It's mostly mayonnaise. I don't know. If it's mostly mayonnaise, it's bad tuna salad. Okay. It should just be the smallest amount. I know a person. Is it me? It's not. Is it Catherine? I know many different people. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Who works for a company that sells mayonnaise in bulk to supermarket kitchens, like the area where they make the tuna salad and the, the, all the various things. Mm. They're like, what do they call it where the, with the marshmallows in it? Marshmallow. It's got, it's got a 
It's got a stupid name. Um, Marsh. S'mores? Mallow salad. Wow, that's how you spell Ew, gross. There's such thing as marshmallow salad? Yeah. Ugh, that looks terrible. I can't remember what they call it. Is it mayonnaise and marshmallows? Yes. Everything about this is heinous. (laughs) What's it freaking called? It's ambrosia. It's called ambrosia because somebody was feeling it at the branding department that day. But, um... I, I have a friend who sells sells the mayonnaise to them, and they provide the recipes for, like, this is very strange to me, that the people who sell the mayonnaise provide the recipes for how to make the chicken salad. It seems like you shouldn't let them do that, because they obviously have a vested interest in, in having mayonnaise. In, yeah, in having a lot of mayonnaise in that yeah. chicken salad. Interesting. And that, I think, is why all grocery store salads are like 90% mayonnaise. They're so yeah, they're bad. That wow. What? Hmm. Are the are the grocery stores required to use the recipes? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's just a suggestion. All right, yeah. okay. I understand. In that case, good on them. Good brand. But maybe that would be good if like we'll give you the mayonnaise cheaper if you use our exact recipes and we have and we have copies oh. of your surveillance footage and we're watching you. Cool. Speaking of surveillance footage, I love your book. <laughs> Um, ah, uh, what were we talking about? Um, Dodie. Let's just pass this question. Whatever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, okay. you know Dodie better than I do. You've been on tour with her. I do. I know Dodie very well. I I haven't seen the specific video. Um, do we know for sure that she learned the mm-hmm. cello in one day? That doesn't surprise me. Here's what I would say though. We know that Dodie can play this song on cello. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that she can play cello. The other thing is that like. I know people are super impressed with how quickly I learned guitar. They're mm-hmm. like, wow, you're amazing. You learned guitar so fast. You're gifted. And I'm like, well, maybe. But I also spent like six hours a day playing guitar. Yeah. And you can learn anything pretty quick if you spend that much time on it. That is a thing that is, I think, underappreciated about people who are good at stuff. Mm. Is the, that level of like, you know, in time investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like when I was learning to play guitar, it was the same way where I would play and I would like do chord switches back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because there's no other way to get good at switching between chords because mm-hmm. your fingers don't know how to do that yet. Yeah. So you have to teach them how to do it. And and now like I haven't gotten any better at playing the guitar in the last six years because I very rarely spend any more than like an hour at a time playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know that Dodie plays instruments a lot. Like she spends a lot of time doing right. that. So So uh, like yeah, you can sit down and like do it for 6 hours. And it's like the kind of thing that only a YouTuber like kind of only a YouTuber can do that. So to I'm making a face right now. You are. I but what I mean is like there is an there is a certainly not something only a YouTuber can do, <laughs> but there is there is an advantage to doing that when you are being compensated for your content creation. You know? Yes. You've got you've got people who are watching and you, you need to figure out a good video to make. You need to like there's all these different incentives mm-hmm. to really dedicate that time. Mm-hmm. But there's also a great incentive to dedicating time to mastery of anything, which is that it is a pleasant experience. Yeah. Getting totally. better at something is really fun and good. Yeah, it rocks. And I wanna learn how to play bass guitar. Well, hit those six hours a day. You'll do it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering if I can be competent enough at bass guitar in the next month and a half to play bass in September on tour. Because <laughs> you want to play bass on your in your band? Because you just 
do vocals now? I just do vocals now, yeah. um, and I play with a drummer, but on Dodie's tour, it's just going to be me on stage with tracks, mm-hmm. and I just thought it'd be cool to play bass, and I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if I can learn that before then, and I think, honestly, maybe I could. We'll see, though. Oh, man, I want a mayonnaise right now. A great way to learn things is to be super over-ambitious, because if you, like, mm. shoot for a really absurd thing, I mean, you're at least going to get kind of good at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also like, uh, when it's music, I just like finding a song that I'd like to play, that mm. I love, and then it's just fun. Abby asks, Dear Tessa and Hank, some nights when I'm hungry, I'll be really craving hot dogs. But then like 10 minutes later, I think, ooh, Chinese sounds really good. And then eight minutes after that, I'm like, dang, pizza's not really yummy. What do I do? <laughs> Once this happens, I feel so conflicted and like nothing I choose will satisfy my needs. I just want all the foods. Please help. I'm starving. Not too shabby. Abby. Or hmm. not too shabby, Obby. This doesn't sound that tough. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because you could get all of these foods and then just mix them together into a giant casserole dish and bake it. Ugh, um, ugh, which sounds ugh. really... Casseroles make me think of mayonnaise. <laughs> Do not like mayonnaise. This next question comes from Jenna who asks, Dear Hank and Tessa, I really want to learn to dance. And I even have a place nearby that has a relatively cheap drop-in class. However, I have so much social anxiety. Every week I hype myself up and get excited to to go to classes. However, when the time actually comes, I think about how much better everyone else will be and I chicken out. It's like we are answering the same question again. I like it, but I have something new to say about this. Okay. I know I will never get better if I don't go, and I know other people aren't even paying attention to anyone but themselves, but I still do get nervous. Do you have any tricks for starting to learn new skills or doing things that make you anxious? Jenna. Yes, Jenna. Here's one of my tricks. I go into something thinking about how smug I'm going to feel once I get good at it. Really? Yeah, and I just focus on that feeling of how like I'm going to bask in the fact that I've learned something new. And then I know the only way to get there is to go through the pain of being bad at something. Um, and I let that fuel me quite a bit. Huh. Um, think about how cool you're going to think I am if a month and a half from now I'm playing bass guitar on stage at my show. It's true. Right? It's true. And and you're going to be thinking, Hank thinks I'm so cool right now. I really am. So you're being fueled by my future admiration. I really, I'm very admiration driven. Not actually something I'm proud of, but uh, it does it make me learn more skills. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. You know, we've all got to, we've all got to fuel the tank somehow. Yep. Speaking of tank filling, your book is so good. <laughs> There's just so many things that are relevant to our lives. I mean, I, I did write the book mostly for YouTubers. Yeah, it's great. It's so great. Oh, my turn? I think so. Amanda. Amanda asks, Dear Hank and Tessa, I recently moved out of my family home, and while I did so for college a few years ago, this time feels different. My mom is really upset, and although she's been through this before, this time it's more seems like more of a choice than a necessity. Mm. Any advice on how I can cheer her up? Please note that I already pre-ordered her a copy of An Absolutely <laughs> Remarkable Thing, which comes out September 25th and is available for pre-order right now. And it's amazing, people. I'm reading it right now. I'm three quarters through, and I'm mad that it's not out because I have no one to talk about it with. There's a mom here so, who needs sorry. who needs some, some some I don't know adjustment. It's I mean I completely like as a parent you're you're gonna have this sensation when your kid leaves. Mm-hmm. You know you, it probably like I'm not saying like blanket statements, but um and 
but like you also have to be happy for them and like the your mom should not be putting this pressure on you for you to feel like she is part of the reason that y- she's sad like you're the cause of her sadness right yes and and also like to to like have that sort of like holding you to you know that like living with your parents yeah if you made a different choice i wouldn't be sad right yeah I've I, never been a parent, so I can't. Well, I'll, I've never been a parent of a teenager, so I also don't know what this is like. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure that, or a 20-something, I'm sure that this is difficult when the kid leaves. Absolutely. I know that it was, that like, my mom was sad. I think all parents are sad when their kids leave. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, th- this isn't really on you, yeah. I guess is what I want to say, Amanda. Yeah. But it is good to want to make your parents happy. Um, yeah. As long as like that part part of that is is like bringing you joy, so puppies, cats, hamsters, yeah, fish, a bearded dragon, not a bearded dragon. Ooh, can I throw out there like um, and I know this is much easier said than understood emotionally, but um, it's okay for her to be sad, and oh, I think yeah. you can find a. Sp- it's very difficult, but if you can try and move into a space where you are okay with her sadness and it doesn't need to be your burden. Right. Like you can just be like, yeah, that is sad, you know, without taking it on as something that you're causing or you're doing something wrong. And if she's putting that on you, I'd say that sucks. Mm -hmm. Because she she should, you know, kids do leave. That's part of life. Yeah. But that is a great point that like not all negative emotion exists to be fixed. Yes. And sometimes like this is a sad time and it's going to be sad. Um, the thing that made me concerned is when it was like, now my mom feels like I'm making a choice and that's making her more sad because it shouldn't be, I'm sad because you're making this choice. You are doing this thing to me. It should be, I'm sad because you're leaving because like, I liked having you in the house because I love you. Yeah. I Um, misread that actually. That's a really good point, Hank. Um, so that, but I, but yeah, I, I think it's very important in general in life not even with just emotions like some problems don't exist to be solved they exist to be understood and appreciated and and to like sort of say like i know that this problem exists i know that this emotion exists yeah and that's all that's all we're gonna do with that we're gonna continue to live in the world having recognized the existence of that yes excellently said All right, one final question. We're hitting a lot of serious ones today, Tessa. I hope you don't mind. Well, I love I love serious questions. I like to talk about stuff that's like I feel. Well, I mean, I've done a lot of like emotional work in my life, and I've done a lot of therapy. Uh-huh. So, um, I and a lot of the things that I've learned, I wouldn't have learned if I didn't hear someone else talk about it first. In fact, one of my like journey to becoming the better person was listening to a talk show where someone related a relevant problem to me and the host was like, you should read Women Who Love Too Much. And like after I read that book, I got into therapy. All that to say, I do feel very kind of um, good about talking about these things. So this has been great for me. Well, this final question comes from Molly who asks, Dear Hank and Tessa, I'm 23 and my ex-boyfriend of two years and I broke up more than three months ago and I'm really struggling with this whole friends thing. He broke up with me and initiated a conversation about a month later, which was fine. I had a conversation about boundaries with him in terms of how much I talk to friends and what it's okay to say because he was talking to me every day and was saying just odd things. 
So now we talk like once a week, not scheduled or anything, and I have never wanted our relationship back in the slightest because it was miserable, but every time we talk, I get really preoccupied with just thinking about us. Not in a longing way, it's just really distracting and annoying. I want to be the girl that can be friends with her ex, but why can't I be chill like him? Do you think it's even possible to stay long-term friends with someone you had a serious relationship with? Can't think of a sign-off, Molly. That was such a sad (laughs) sign-off. Feeling jolly, Molly. (laughs) No, yeah. Yeah, Couldn't think of that one. Um, man... Sorry, I'm leaning away from the microphone because that's helpful. Um, Molly, this is like a very legitimate thing. And when I read this, I really hear you struggling with feeling like if you are honest about being sad or uncomfortable with this, that that somehow makes you um, less uh, chill or less cool less cool or less mature maybe maybe Mm -hmm. you're feeling like if i'm wrapped up in this then he's the more mature one and i don't think that's fair at all a a mature thing is to be honest with yourself about how you're feeling and it sounds like if you're being honest you don't feel good in this Mm -hmm. interaction and that's okay yeah and i mean it sounds like you didn't have a great productive relationship with this person in the first place like you say i don't want a relationship back because it was miserable um, so I, I, and I think that like, like, it sounds like this communication is bringing you back to that place. Mm. It's not like, it's not like taking you forward out of it. And it, I, you know, whenever anyone uses the word miserable, I want to feel like you should be moving, moving away from that place. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem that there's that much tying you together, except the, like the, the shared experience. And that's not nothing like, you know, there there that shared experience does matter. And it is it is a, a a piece of your life that like shouldn't be considered thrown away or discarded in any way. Mm-hmm. Like it's was part of it's always going to be part of you. But um, I I know that it is possible because I've heard people say that they've done it to have long-term friendships with people they had serious relationships with. I've never done it. I've never done it. Yeah, I've never done it. Um, And I think that's the norm. And I do think that it does exist. I I have a friend who has a friendship Mm -hmm. with someone they had a relationship with. But I think most people are, if I'm being frank, I think most people are trying to convince themselves they can be friends because they think that's the more mature Mm -hmm. thing to do when it's complete. It doesn't mean you think that he's bad or anything. It's okay to just say, hey, um, our relationship is complex and I want my life to not be complex. Yeah. Yeah, and I and also I'll, I'll commend you on having that initial conversation with him in the beginning, which I I know is can be a difficult thing to do to say like we need to talk about boundaries. Yeah. Um. So, I I can I can tell that you can do this. Yeah, you're doing great, Molly. You're doing great, Molly. Tessa, we're not gonna have any news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon today. No, we're not. They stopped existing. Mars <laughs> is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded we recorded this episode well in advance because we needed one for the for the background and Tessa was in town. So yes. um so I really appreciate you hanging out and uh, and answering questions with me. It was a real good time. 
Yes, thank you for having me. I love answering questions. But you should listen to Tessa's music. Yeah, my songs are available everywhere songs are found. Um, this podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. The music that you're hearing right now and the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to, to be, be awesome. awesome.